0: Welcome back to the Farmers Podcast, live from the Pasquaville Field Days in the Elders Marquee. Thanks to our sponsors, Heatley Barbecues. And actually, a new sponsor on board is Tad's Embroidery and Elders Rural Services. And today, we're Noel and I are talking to Richard Conte from Moa. And he's got a fair story to tell. G'day, Noel. How are you on today? Oh, very well. And yes, thank you very much to all of our sponsors. Uh,
1: Elders, as well, have been um, fantastic hosts. Got to sample a few uh, sugar donuts this morning. So that's always fr- nice when you get a few free donuts. And um, so yeah, it's been very nice. I'll be looking outside. Hopefully, it's going to be raining soon. So that will make everybody's field day just a little bit more enjoyable. But, uh, yeah, great to be here. Richard, really appreciate you coming along and having a chat with us uh, this afternoon. Uh, yeah, looking forward to learning a little bit about, uh, yeah, what it is that's a uh, you do in all of your time. You certainly do jam as much as you possibly can into your days. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, righto, Noel. Thanks <laughs> thanks very much. I'm very honoured and humbled to be invited to the uh, very prestigious Farmers <laughs> Podcast. Yeah,
0: so well, we should have had this guy <laughs> on a lot earlier. So, where about your Pace uh, and uh mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so based based in and business. Business. um
2: yep. farming there, grain growing. Uh, we don't have any livestock, but uh, uh, we've just recently have developed some trucks, so it's Malala and pretty much all the eastern states. So, yeah, and, and enjoying that with the, all the COVID restrictions, it's a bit of a challenge. Ryan, I think, um, he's uh, spending a fair bit of time driving trucks and, and most of the guys there knows his leave fairly easily these days after all the COVID tests they've had. <laughs>
1: yeah, yep, had a uh, truckie in my yard last night who's had, I think he said 53 Covid COVID snout tests.
2: Not much fun. (laughs) No,
1: no, they're not. I've only had the one, and I won't tell that story on here, but uh, trust me, it's quite a humorous little story that uh, (laughs) me having my my, uh, snout tested. No, it's my throat, actually, so that might give you an idea. Uh,
2: So, yeah, no, we're based at Malala, and as uh, listeners probably know, it's fairly tightly held land around the lower north, and so we've sort of leased a bit of country here, and we've spread out from um, Karunni through to Barabba and west of Hamley Bridge, and a little bit out near Dublin. So, oh, Okay, so how many hectares are you covering these days? About 2,500 hectares, so um, that spread gives us a bit of diversity in... Rainfall and a bit of diversity in soil type as well. Even though I wish it was all in one block, so a lot yeah, of travelling. But
1: yeah, that's yeah. ah, a good risk spread- spreading strategy. I guess you could yeah, suggest. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, Do that all on your own, or you got a, a, a reliable workman? I've got a very great team behind me. Actually, um, got uh, my wife Trish, who's a linchpin. Um, and the business side of things and um, managing the office and uh, budgets and all things financial, so she does a fantastic job. And then I've got my nephew, Simon, um, and uh, and another um, staff member, Brad. So those guys, those two are on the farm. And then Ryan's looking after the trucking side of things, doing the coordination there. And um, we've got, yeah, Jordan and Scott is driving.
1: Well, plenty going on around the place.
2: There is a bit, yeah. Yeah, where did you meet Trish? Well, actually Trish was the policeman's daughter at Balaclava. Oh, you're a brave (laughs) boy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, I met her at a a disco at Balaclava one night and... yeah, the following week, one of my friends said to me, Oh, you remember Trish? She's a bit keen on you. So I thought, Well, that's good because no one ever has been before. <laughs> so, so I asked her to go out and we went to the Kadena Drive In. And the first date, I went to the the, uh, the Thorns' house at Ballack. And um, I played 40 for Malala. And Trish's dad was the uh, secretary treasurer of the Balaklava 40 Club. So I've turned up there in my 1969 Fairmont with the mag, wheels, a dual exhaust. Two and oh. uh, <laughs> overhead, green, uh, chrome <laughs> grease nipples. <laughs> Parked out the front and tooted the horn, sent well, your no, daughter out. I, I, I wandered into the house with my brand new Malala footy club jumper on. Oh. and uh, Needless to say, I wasn't very smart in those days. I'm probably still not, but uh, yeah, pretty dumb and naive. <laughs> oh, Murray would have loved that. Um, brothers and sisters? Yeah, two sisters, two older sisters. Um, Jane Lutt. Um, oh, yeah. So Jane lives in Malala. She's a receptionist at the Malala Docks uh, Surgery. And, yeah. yeah, she's got three boys. Um, they farmed it at Lock and then Ningan before moving back to Malala. And unfortunately, my brother in law Kevin died when he was 34. So mm. um, she had a tough job bringing up three boys. Yeah. And my other sister Louise is in Sydney. and She's got two boys. Currently enjoying lockdown. Currently not enjoying lockdown. <laughs> not enjoying <laughs> lockdown at all. Yeah. Uh, no, I ring her every two or three days just to make sure she's yeah still taking care of herself yeah, and
1: yeah. Yeah, keeping sane.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: how many generation farmer are
2: uh, you at Muller? So I'm fifth, so uh, Mike Simon and Ryan sixth. Um, yeah, so I think the, that's counting my great grandfather, but I think his father actually moved across as well, but he was probably almost at retirement age, so you could nearly add another generation to that. But, yeah, so we've moved to Malar in 1911. Just take a quick time out
1: here. Are you uh, from Telstra shop with the iPad? No worries. <laughs> Are you're right, mate. Thank you. Pretty, that I sound like Nostradamus, really, aren't I? <laughs> okay, sorry about that. That's right. Um.
0: So, yeah, we just talked about your his sister in New South Wales. No, we weren't. We are were talking about his ancestors that came over on the uh, prison ship. Right.
1: No. <laughs> so, you're the sixth generation farmer. Um, yeah, tell us about what you know about your ancestors and uh, okay. where, how they arrived
2: out here. Yep. Um, so, free settlers. Um, 1854, uh, our guys came out from um, the east of Germany, uh, right near the Polish border. So, um was very fortunate to actually, Trish and I traveled back to um, what was the hometown of my great-great-great, I think, grandfather, <laughs> not my <laughs> many greats, actually. Yep, very great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was it was way off the tourist track, and we'd made contact, or actually a relative had made contact with us um, via the internet, and, and she'd found some records of, of us on local papers or something. Yep. Um, so yeah, we, we made an arrangement to go and meet them and, and we did and she was fantastic, showed us all around. They had a small farm there oh. in the east of Germany that didn't really speak much German at all. Her son had a bit that he learned at school 14 years prior okay. um, and she spoke a little bit, so Google... Uh, translators. Yeah, getting hammered. <laughs> it was. But to go back there, and she actually took us to the little church where my great-great-grandfather and his wife were married. And you see those shows on TV, which, you know, taking people back to their roots and they oh, get they emotional. From, and yep. Yeah, all that sort of to thing. Yeah. M- I? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think, uh, I've got a lot of crock. Yeah. Anyway, I walked into this church, and then she, she didn't tell us she was taking us there. And we got in there, and she said, this is where they got married, and I looked around a lot, and I did. I got emotional. It was, yeah, uh, okay. it was a really moving thing to, Yeah, yeah Saw all the church records of their marriage. So they left two weeks after they got married. They left. The, there was records there of leaving the church and got on the boat, an old wooden boat sailing ship, and sailed all around the other side of the world to Australia. And I just, I never considered it much until that moment, but what brave people they were oh, to, to do that.
1: And Perhaps. what a hell of a honeymoon.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> sort of set the bar pretty high for the rest of us as far as honeymoon agendas go. But My so, word, yeah. That so is, is an
0: amazing story. That is, yeah. Um, hobbies, sport, I know you're a, you're a um, footballer of quite some renown, and... Um, because I know I was playing at the same time the Richard is, and I was pretty good, so I'm sure he's going to tell us how good he was. Uh, well, I'll tell you the opposite. No, I was pretty
2: ordinary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, borderline
2: A-grade player. I was lucky enough to uh, play in a in an A-grade premiership in 1990, so that was that was a bit of a highlight, I think. And um, yeah, played in a few B-grade premierships and a couple of junior ones as well, so I think the six all up. That was good, and and one, one cricket one as well. So, so your great greatest sporting achievement? Oh, gee, um, probably that premiership in the in the A grade. I think it was, yeah. it was pretty good. And um, and then one day in cricket, we were pretty lucky. We played Roseworthy College when during holidays, and um, <laughs> and uh, um, Malcolm Angus was the other opening bowler with me, and. Uh, he he got the two batsmen out, and then I was, was lucky enough to get the rest, so... Uh, oh, got an 8 for Yeah. I think um, Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, most of the good cricketers have gone on holidays, I think. it so.
1: Doesn't matter. It's in the book. It's in the book. It's just like the Ashes issue. If they don't send out a decent bunch of poms, we're going to clean the park with them. Yeah. But uh, in the book, it will say... Yeah. Australia 5 Zip, thank you very much.
2: Yeah, mind you, I did have another day at Dublin, I think, that um, um, I bought five overs that day and had uh, one for 75 and I reckon the one wasn't <laughs> out either, so <laughs> you, you get both ends of the scale.
1: <laughs> uh, well, we, oh, I don't know, we should probably edit that out, that's a, a good story, <laughs> that Oh, well, That's classic, Richard. um. So we've heard about your uh, your, your Fairlane. Was a Fairlane or a Fairmont? Fairmont. Fairmont. Yeah. Fairmont yep. Very snazzy set of wheels. Fairmont. Yeah. in that one, but uh, sunroof put in it. And oh, yeah, you just it. accessory. You pimped it. You pimped yeah, I that, did. right? I pimped yeah, yeah Alpine well, stereo yeah, and yeah. yeah. graphic equalizer, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, only Alpine. Couldn't go Pioneer. Nah. I guess there was a budgetary yeah. reason for that. Yeah. yeah so when um, you came home, not, 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 not when you came home on the farm, um, when you started farming, when Dad pulled you out of the lounge room and said, boy, I need a hand, mm-hmm. what was the tractor he plonked you out on?
2: Yeah, I, there, there was two. We had two, um, and I'm not sure which was the first one that I drove. I remember my my nana, my dad's mum, saying, don't you get on that tractor? And I was probably about you know, twelve or thirteen or something, and yep. she was scared about me falling off the back. So we had an LA case, which was a nineteen fifties odd um, that my dad bought with his own money, and yep. um, sort of the, the farm got rid of the horses back whenever. Um, I'm not sure on dates on that, but yep. but you
1: never saw them. No, I didn't
2: and, and they had a, a Massey Harris, a Massey Harris 25, and I remember that sitting in the back of the shed, and the only thing that I ever was involved with that was that ran the saw bench uh, okay. and the sheep dip yep. a, with a big flat belt. Yep. Yep. So, um, and then Dad wanted a more horsepower and a, and a newer tractor, so he said to Grandpa, look, can we get another tractor? And he said, no. So Dad huh. spent his own money and bought the LA in about 1953, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then he, the next track that we got, you know, times are a review title, I suppose, back and then, the next track that we bought was the Massey 185 in 1975. So that was probably the first one that I did sort of many real hours on. Yep, yep.
1: Um, I think Dad might have one of those. Is that well, no cabin still? No cabs.
2: No So, yeah, yeah, yeah. PDO harvesters and um, clipper barley, you know, <laughs> tail wing behind you. And just, yeah, yeah. Just tuck
0: yourself up and yeah. try and keep that itch
2: out.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's 40 degrees, but I'm going to do this collar up.
2: And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, so, uh, not much fun. Earliest uh, uh, recollection on the farm.
2: Mmm. So... <laughs> I can't put an age to it, but um, again, my dad had a, a really old farm vehicle which we called the bomb, and it was a 1928 Chev. Oh, cool. and it had been converted to a panel van. And I'm, I'm not even sure where he bought it from, but um, anyway, had a, the back of it was open, so and I had a bench seat in the front, and Probably my earliest recollection is climbing over the um, the bench seat and being in the back of the panel van part. And there was a little ring that you could hang your hand, hold onto with your oh, hand, okay. right at the back. And and <laughs> if you were brave enough to make your way to the back, and you could hang onto this little handle and look out yeah, the back. Hanging bit, out so the back. That's yeah. My earliest memory. Yeah. Health and safety. Okay. Not a thing. Not a problem.
1: We at just all. used to get it all done. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you got all your fingers.
2: That all there? ten. No, no, all there? No, all there? No, yep. the record show. Still yep. got ten. Absolutely. That's study. Well, yeah. Where did we go to school? Uh, so Malala Primary uh, for a start. So that was uh, that was good. And then Balaclava High School for three years. And then I went to Urbrae and did the airbrush certificate. Uh, and one. And, uh, no, I'm in good company here. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got uh, a certificate. I didn't. <laughs> all righty, all right. <laughs> I got one. I fell, <laughs> fell a few weeks short. Yeah, so look, um, I guess uh, other study after, after school, I didn't do any tertiary education um, at uni or anything, but you know, lots of courses and things through uh, the early farming years or whatever, and all farming years. and. And then uh, culminating in 2015, I did the company director's course. Yes. um, Which was a real challenge writing for someone who hadn't probably ever written an essay or hadn't written one for 30 30 something (laughs) years to write a 3,000 word (laughs) essay and uh, sit a two piece uh, exam as well. So I was fortunate to get through it. Well done. With some help.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, we get help for everything that we do, yeah, hopefully. That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, what about uh, farm work when you were growing up coming through the ranks earning your keep uh, to leave the property to uh, do a few odd jobs here and there?
2: Not not so much when I was growing up. Um as we sort of lived separate to the farm, uh about Sort of three Ks away. My grandfather and, and um, Nana lived on actually on the farm itself. Yep. So yeah, I guess I was more focused on sport as a youngster um, and did that. But um, yeah, after after I left school, I certainly had a an array of different jobs ranging from you know what I do now with grain growers uh, back to um, earlier days. Cleaning toilets of the Molar Racetrack, which oh. is always a great job. Yeah, no, you absolutely. Know, emptying, emptying rubbish bins and yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing, so you yeah. do what you got to do. You do. Yep. Working at the market at Jets Cross. Okay, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, on the
1: lambs. Yeah, yeah
2: right yep. Um Tell us about the Grain Growers Limited. Limited. <laughs> Yeah, so Grain Growers is a national grower um, advocacy organisation. So uh, it's about seventeen thousand members across Australia. Uh, formed originally in New South Wales from the Premium Wheat Growers Association, and through uh, some purchases uh, with GrainCorp, etc., ended up selling that later on and, and making quite a, a sizeable profit. And operates out of that uh, pot of money, which is which is part of our role, is looking after the investments of that yep. and doing industry good projects, developing policy for government, um, you know, recommending different things to help Australian grain growers really. And then there's the other side of, of things um, with education and development of, of young farmers uh, through things like the Innovation Generation Conference for under 35, so it's Unfortunately, it's been cancelled the last couple of years because of COVID. Uh, I was
1: going to say, are those, uh, yeah.
2: those well attended, but yeah. obviously not? Yeah, uh, yeah. no, so they have been on. very, well, I haven't got the numbers on the top of my head, but you know, five, 700 delegates, yeah, something okay. like that. So, so the young people be, are stepping up and yeah, uh, trying to yeah. voice.
0: Yeah. And um, Grain Growers Limited is free to join for any farmer. It is free, yeah. yeah. So
2: if you have a look at the website, which is uh, graingrowers.com.au, um, with that, i will catch up with David Evans. He's the grower officer here in South Australia. Um yeah, you can join up, and um, you know, because numbers are numbers mean something. So when Dave Evans, the CEO, or or Brett Hosking, the chair, go to and speak with the trade minister, and he says, "Well, who are you?" and say, "Well, we are seventeen thousand growers." Right. We're not. Uh, it means a bit. So the more members we can have, the, yeah. the better the strength of the organization and our representation is. So Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Numbers do matter. And, yeah, when I heard
1: 17,000, I thought, well, it'd be nice to have 17,000 listeners to the podcast. <laughs> so we'll have to do some recruiting for, yeah. uh, for Grey so, Guys. Then. So there's
2: other things like the Australian Grain Leadership Program, which is an educational process, runs over 12 months to a period. Yeah. Um, the tra- um, Australian Grain Social Leadership Program, which is for people who are a little uh, more further in their career, I suppose, and a new one last year was uh, called On Board, and the On Board program is to develop farmers who have great skill sets, but to increase those skill sets to prepare them for board roles because we need people yeah. coming forward Stepping to take on board roles, that's right, yeah, and that ends up with uh, the company director's course as well. So, yep. um, So yeah that's, yeah, that's part of what the organisation does. Yeah,
1: no, plenty of opportunities for everybody to uh, yeah, tap mm-hmm. into something new and learn a bit of something new and, um, yeah.
2: But just actually last week, Noel and Andrew released a uh, report called Carbon and Cropping, and that's to give some explanations around... Uh, carbon farming and um, you know how carbon sequestration and, and just a, a, a basic guide for helping people understand what it is and where it's going because you know it, it's been talked about for a, a lot of years now and it has. and it's still been a bit unclear in my mind and this guide I was reading it yesterday when I was sitting on the stall. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. So it's on the website as well, or you can get a hard copy around the place. So yep. Yeah, you Have a read
1: of that. grain so good. Brain yep. 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 So we'll uh, direct Greta to that website so that uh, she could see that farmers in Australia are actually doing something yeah. about uh, global warming. Yeah. Yep.
0: That'd be good. Lovely, Greta. Yeah, I think he does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what would you do if you weren't um, a farmer? Um, you've obviously, you've done a little bit with um, agriculture um, boards and stuff like that. You were in, you were in um, AGG Co-op as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so obviously you enjoy that side of things. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah so,
2: no, look, I guess I have enjoyed that. Um, you, know, I've been on the, you know, I was on the footy committee for years and the actuary committee for a long time as well. And, and uh, Mary Bowyer said to me one day, would you consider going on and retiring from the Advisory Board of Agriculture. Would you consider going on it? And I said, "Oh, what's involved?" And so ended up there, and that was probably the start of, it, I guess. So, um, yeah, GRDC Southern Panel for seven years, and Plant Biosecurity CRC for seven years while I was on the panel. Um, and uh, yeah, like yeah, grain growers and um, the co-op as well. So, if you could,
1: if you weren't farming, you weren't doing all these uh, boards, etc., associated with farming. What might you do? Have you ever thought? This is a real interest of mine. I, I wish i or
2: maybe not wish, but yeah, I could have gone down that path instead. Yeah, look, I, Noel, I still think that it would be in ag- agriculture somewhere, um, yeah. in primary primary industries, if not in primary production. So something along the science lines, you know, I find the science really mm-hmm. interesting and all the RD&E stuff that, that GRDC do and all the projects that I saw while I was on there, from, you know, um, but just just some amazing stuff that's going on and, you know, seeing that stuff makes you wish you were smart enough to be able to do <laughs> some of that stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, good answer.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, what well, has been the most exciting development in agriculture since day one for you? Yeah, I
2: thought about this and, and um, look, I've heard, heard a couple of the podcasts and Ally obviously was, has been mentioned for tidying up the south so in a year or two and that, that was a tremendous uh, step forward um galley barley getting rid of c c n when I came home from school our farm was just full of c c n okay and um, to clean that up was, yeah. was great and improved yields tremendously so yeah. that was really good um another big step was moving to zero till um you know preserving that soil moisture and looking after our soils better because I believe that, you know, that's the most more well, apart from family and and safety yeah. of uh, our team um you know, looking after our soils is the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, but then the other one, I suppose, is is the iPhone and or smartphone, and and the apps that we can have and, yeah. and access now on the iPad or iPhone or whatever whatever you got, whatever platform. You know, some of the the models that are on there for looking at your soil water or your climate and those sort of things. Are, yeah, they're a real help.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. can agree more. Mm.
0: You've diversified a bit in your farm. We t- touched on that a bit before. You, you've diversified the uh, trucks and stuff like that. What's been the driver behind that diversification? Mm. Yeah, Andrew.
2: I guess we, you know, we had a had a Kenworth truck and a B double set sitting in the shed for probably ten months of the year or ten and a half months of the year, and and we always sort of said, oh, we should put that truck on the road." Yeah, no, we should do that, and we never did, and and then last year. Ryan said, Well, you know how you've been saying we should put that truck on the road? Well, I'm going to do it. So, yeah. so to his credit, um, he went to Marcus Album and uh, did an agribusiness degree over there. So, we sat down and we did a lot of sums. And, and um, uh, with the numbers, we thought we could make something work. And uh, yeah, so that's sort of grown a little bit. We've got three trucks on the road now. And um, so, that's probably been a big diversification, I suppose. Any other diversification? Um, yeah, we've got, we've got a, oh, a bit of a project that we've been working on for a while with a, a housing development, um, so we've got that in front of council and um, waiting for approval on that. So, yeah, that's been a, a labour of love so far. Yep. Uh, yeah. uh, it's yeah, it's um, a difficult thing to get up. Yep.
1: Mm. Any chance that truck could be coming home soon and you could perhaps yourself just personally give it a wash? Because last time I saw you did that, <laughs> now, I think we got about half an inch of rain. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, Ryan, if you're listening, come home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we could certainly do it with the rain, yeah, we for certainly sure. Could. Yeah. Um, what's the funniest thing you've ever seen happen on your own farm uh, oh. or a neighbour's farm? You don't have to mention your neighbour's name if it
2: is your neighbour. Uh, yeah, I think you should. Look, Um at At the risk of making a fool of myself again, yeah um uh, Jim, neighbor Jim Franks always sort of tells a story that um he was harvesting in the paddock next door to uh yeah it might have been me um, <laughs> an anonymous person, yeah, yeah,, it might have been me and um, I pulled up uh, allegedly after a big night. The story goes. Now, look, I, I don't remember any of Jim's story, but this is what
1: he tells. And he says that he's got a fantastic memory. He and does. People accuse him of telling lies, so this may be one of them that he's actually <laughs> telling one of these lies, perhaps.
2: <laughs> but evidently, I pulled up to the foot up to the field bin on on one side. On the opposite side of what Jim was, and the door on the other side of the bin was open, and and. Um, I may not have been concentrating as well as I could have been, and the <laughs> rain was going in one side straight out the other. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, hastily uh, called me on the on the UHF. But, uh, oh, he
1: didn't let you just empty the entire bin no, under the no, ground. Yeah. He was kind enough
2: to uh, yeah, pull you up. <laughs> yeah, but there was another funny one where, um, again, it was Jim, and, again, we were both in the same paddocks, and, and his dad was in, in the harvester with him, and he was on the first – first lap around the paddock and I think he was reaping lentils and the the fire break had sort of created a bit of a mound on the edge and he was getting all these blocks and he'd just been talking to someone on the UHF and the button was actually stuck on and uh, hearing Jim and Reg talk about uh, this block that was happening consistently and and the colourful language that was coming out from both of them about (laughs) what is going on with this Uh, effing, and it just went on and on and on for about 10 or 15 minutes. Eventually you hear Jim's mobile phone in the background start ringing. Hello? Oh, <laughs> yes, I, I see. I, okay, thank you. And then click of the microphone on <laughs> the UHF. <laughs> uh, that's
1: that a was good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and goodness, that could have been so much worse. It, yeah. It was just lucky they were talking about a blockage and not it uh, something...
0: Yeah, absolutely. Completely it could different. have been anything, couldn't it? Exactly. Yeah. The piece of equipment you've done the most damage to or seen mm. damage done for a have worked legal yourself. Or... Uh, again, i will dob myself in because I don't want to incriminate anyone else.
2: Simon and driving and, ch- and boom spray through a gate with a boom open. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I say that? Sorry,
1: Simon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but a rowdy. Uh, gate letting go rowdy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've, I've probably got a, a, another couple of muck-ups that I did was um, oh, back in the days when we had a, a separate header for harvesting peas, we had a 585 harvester and I was at probably at, at the time, one of the first blocks away from home, it was probably three or four Ks. And um, snails, uh, peas, and harvesters don't, yep. don't mix. No. And anyway, I blocked the thrasher up on this again because all the concaves get blocked up with snails. It yep. wasn't much fun back in those days. So I stopped and got out and kicked the ground a few times and cursed a bit. And then I sort of could smell something and I thought I could hear a little crackling noise and lo oh. no, and behold I'd done a main bearing on the thrasher that oh. had blocked up and caught on fire inside. And I knew how tightly the pea straw pea vine packed in and um, all I had to put it out was a knapsack, like a, a hand yeah. knapsack and yeah. that just wasn't going to cut it, wouldn't have done it. So. We didn't have a firefighter in the paddock, I knew we had one set up home at the farm. So I thought, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> so, Pressure's on. Yeah. Pressure's on. So anyway, I'd only had a 12-foot front, so you could drive down the road yeah. with the front on. So yep. I jumped in, put it in road gear. I uh, had Simon with me. He was only a young fella, yep. And we went steaming into Malala. Um, down a railway terrace over the railway line and by the time I got to the main street couldn't see behind with all the smoke <laughs> was pouring out of this portable 585 header and uh, it happened to be Saturday afternoon of course and tennis was home and cricket was home <laughs> <laughs> So there's a cast of thousands watching. Yeah, and, uh, I, uh, give I, him a tweet, <laughs> give him a wave. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I dropped Simon off. He was getting pretty nervous by this stage. <laughs> I dropped him off at my mum's place, and he was going to ring the CFS, I think. And and uh, next thing, to the radio. Um, a neighbour came on the radio and said, oh, excuse me, Richard, but do you know your head is on fire? And yeah. <laughs> well, I said, yeah, thanks very much. Yeah. I'm just going home to yeah. put it out now. Yeah. <laughs> that was... Far out. Yeah, that was, that was pretty funny. But it oh, didn't.
1: I thought you were going to say you drove it right to the CFS shed. <laughs> <laughs> no, there wouldn't have been anyone there, I suppose. But yeah. No, they're all the cricket and the tennis. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
2: So, And the other one, I guess, um, again, it was uh, this was reaping lentils and um, uh, on the you know, on the deck, as you do, yep. as a Macdon front, and I just came up, and it's a, it was a flex draper that I had, so it was in, it's in three portions, that flexes in, in two spots, so yep. there's a centre piece and then there's two wing pieces, and at the top of the wing pieces there's these um, bolts which are about, 30mm, I, I suppose, that, that hold the two wing pieces up in place, yep. and I've just come out of the crop, I've lifted it up, and one of the, the bolts on the right-hand side has snapped, so... The front has actually, like the middle of it, has just come straight up oh. and the two sides of the wings has just gone, dropped straight down Damn. to the ground. So it's like a boomerang. and <laughs> I had out the, of a bridge. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I had the reel down pretty low, picking the lentils up, and I was just sitting in the seat and it just went, happened like so that. And then all of the fingers on the time reel just went chop 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 chop. Oh! oh yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> just chopped all of them off. So, oh, 140 of these fingers we had to get and replace. I think so. That just happened in a blink of an eye. I was like, what just
1: happened? <laughs> Did <laughs> yeah. I just see that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. uh, thanks for sharing that. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, just you've just you know you've done yourself out of a question because normally the next one is what's the piece of equipment you've done the most damage to, unless you can top those two stories. And no, the, I think,
0: yeah, they're, they're about the best I can come <laughs> up with, I think. <laughs> uh, that's really good. Most unreliable piece of gear you've ever had on the farm.
2: That's a very easy question. Yeah, we bought a second-hand uh, harvester Uh in 1992, as we had comb fronts until then, and 1992 was a particularly wet spring and a wet harvest, and we could see that the barley had all gone down, and we just weren't going to be able to wreck it with a comb front. So yep. uh, we found a, a second-hand John Deere 1075 harvester uh, for sale privately, and and we went and bought that. Um, the uh, Allegedly, the cab had had a small fire under it before we bought it. <laughs> this guy had polished it with an inch of a slice. So it looked brand new. It looked absolutely yeah. tremendous. And there was 970 hours on the clock. I thought, that's great. But we later found out, or allegedly found out, that the cab had been completely burnt and with a new, had to get a new cab on it. Oh, I had the new With the new cab, it has a new air meter. <laughs> oh, so we had all these problems with oh, what with, an the, with the machine that were consistent with a uh, machine that had done sort of four or five thousand hours, yeah. and uh, it just used to break down the whole time. Oh, okay. the green linen, yeah, yeah. yep. Uh, yeah, so that was definitely the worst piece of gear I ever had. Yeah.
0: So we head off up to red tractors, red headers after that. Yeah, we, yeah.
2: We went to actual flies after that. Yeah. yeah. you gotta love some people
0: Um,
1: or not yeah exactly (laughs) so that all creates a bit of stress in your life Richard Uh, you you need to have a bit of a break after that Um, favourite place you've ever been for a holiday or do you have a a normal go to spot perhaps every year that you love going back to Um, what do you do to relax
2: (laughs) yeah look parents always took us to West Beach Caravan Park and then we took our kids to West Beach Caravan Park. Yep. So yeah, West Beach is, is a spot that we like yep. um, and that was really good. Um, but we've been fortunate to have a couple of overseas holidays. We took uh, Anna and Ryan um, to the United States and we did a whirlwind tour around there. Um, starting on the east coast and down to Texas and up to New York and across to San Francisco and, wow. and Hawaii. That was, that oh, was very true. nice.
1: Did you do the
2: Winnebago thing or no. did you hire a Chevy or anything? Actually, we, we hired a, a car. She said, oh, can you you know, we hire a car, we're gonna drive from LA down to San Diego and then up to Vegas. Yep. Yes. And she said, Oh, what sort of car do you want? and I said, Well, I don't want a bloody Toyota. I want to be driving an American car. So yep. we had a Crown Victoria, which is like the black and white police cars you yes. used you to know, you oh, see. So, okay. so we had one of those and we got we got down to San Diego and, and uh, the valet guy was there and he said, oh, where have you come from? And he said, oh, we've just driven down from L.A. And he said, in that. <laughs> I, said, yeah, I wanted to experience what it was like to drive a yank
0: tank. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. So that was good fun. Nice oh, one, fun. Beautiful. Um, looking back, what's been the highlight of your Big career after probably 40 years now, since you left school. Mm,
2: Yeah. Look, the um, the biggest highlights obviously uh, going to be coming on the Farmers Podcast, I think. So um, yeah, so <laughs> that's not getting edited out, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, look, Parks, you know, I've, I've been I've been very lucky in my farming career to um, you know have some opportunities presented to me to um, you know do some off farm stuff to, in the industry that I love. Um, you know, as, and great support at home from wife and, um, family, um, to enable me to do that. So, yeah, I've been really lucky. So, that's, that's been a highlight, I suppose. Seeing the growth of our, of our business and, um, the, the changes in the industry over the years has been a real, real benefit and the advancements in technology, et cetera, and the crops that we can grow now. <laughs> Look, I remember, um, I mentioned galley and barley before. The first year we grew galleon barley, I think, was about uh, yeah, the early 90s, I think, um, and uh, we had a 45-acre paddock next to our hay shed, which was called the Hayshed Paddock. Mm, commonly <laughs> You yep. get that. Every farm's got <laughs> a hayshed paddock. Next to
0: the corner paddock.
2: That's it. Mm. Um, so I finished harvesting the paddock, and I worked out how many tons we had and, and uh, on my sharp elksen mate calculator <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it went eighteen point one bags and I was that excited and the clipper in the paddock went fourteen and a half bags next door, yeah, and I couldn't wait to tell my dad. You know. So I told him, and he said to me, well, son, you will never grow a better crop than
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> yep,
2: wrong,
1: Dad. <laughs> that's, uh, no, so, look, that's brilliant, Richard. Mm-hmm. I think we'll probably wrap it up there. Um, look, I think that, uh, yeah, uh, you're lucky to have agriculture. You seem to really love it, but I think agriculture is lucky to have people like yourself as yeah. well, mate, who are so passionate about it. congratulations
2: on your career, and thank you very much for your time. No. And, uh, Thanks very much for having me. I've enjoyed the chat and uh, hopefully someone can get some amusement out of uh, of uh, making a fool of me. Well, I have.
1: (laughs) So thanks for being a good sport. Really appreciate it, Richard. Thanks very much. And, Andrew, thanks once again also to you. Thanks, all. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Bye.